Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next What's the Point podcast. Uh, this is Pastor Lawrence, and I'm joined today with Pastor Danny and Joy Mikhail. Guys, we have a really interesting topic of conversation for us to discuss. I'm really excited that you guys are here today. Uh, but before we dive into our, our conversation, I want to start off with a question. One of my favorite icebreaker questions is if you can hang out for one dinner with anybody in the course of history, who would it be and why? All right. So I, I didn't have much time to think about this, but my original answer was somebody ancient. And then I, but I thought I could actually eat dinner at their place so I could look around. And then Lauren said, no, they, they come to dinner now. They're dinner at your house. Dinner at my house. But I, it would still be probably Noah because I feel like Noah is like the bridge between the ancient world and, you know, he's like the last guy in the ancient world. So I'd want to kind of know what that world was like, how advanced were they techno- technologically uh, just because we, we don't know. Like I can guess what some of the other Bible times were like just from archaeological data and just kind of seeing how technology advanced. But I just wouldn't know. There is a Russell Crowe movie. It's not <laughs> not theologically correct. but Biblically it, very accurate, right? But it, yeah, biblically it might be a little off, but it does paint a picture of what it could have been like at that time. So I'm just, I just would be fascinated. And, and then theologically too, just to kind of know what it was like before the covenant with Abraham, like kind of what the world was like at that point. So interesting. That's an interesting answer. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I would choose to meet with Adam. Um, I have so many questions for him and just getting to know this guy that actually represented all of us and how it was. And I want to know if he had a belly button when he was created. <laughs> uh, I think this is one of the things that's very and fascinating. is he missing a rib or is that Or is he missing a rib? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Is there a scar there or is there no scar? Just so wait, basically, awkwardness, you'd have Adam over for dinner and you'd ask him to take his shirt off. Because you had CVS belly button and a rib. Hey, they did wow. this with Jesus. So. <laughs> wow. Um, I want to say, I was going to say like King David because that's who I'm really interested in hanging out with. But I feel like if we all say Bible answers, we're just going to come across as such Bible nerds. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say it anyway. King David. I just love uh, who King David is, man after God's own heart. Um, the idea of him being both a warrior and a poet. You know, um, the idea of him going from like a shepherd boy to a king, experiencing the ups and downs. Somebody who wrote the depth of the Psalms, you know, can understand like the depth of emotions. So I feel like that'd be such an interesting, fun dinner to have mm-hmm. a dinner with King David. Like, the guy he can party and dance with. At the same time, you can, like a guy who's going to like can relate to you if there's something hard going on and or talk about like hunting with. So, you know, he's got it all. David, king David is a man. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would go with. Yeah. Well, guys, today we're diving into this topic that I feel like something that's been on my heart, something that's been something that I've said over and over again at Waypoint is this concept of the word I like to use tension. And I feel like so much of the Christian life is the idea of tension, how to live in tension. The Bible is clear. Danny says this all the time. The Bible is not or doesn't specifically say one way or another how to do something in every cultural context, at every moment, and every time. It's intentionally kind of vague in certain topics because that way it fits every culture at every moment and of every time. It's transcendent of all times and all cultures. And it's very intentional in that, but it also makes it sometimes difficult for a lot of people who want to know, tell me what to do. Give me a yes or a no. Give me a left or a right. Give me a clear-cut definition of how to do and how to act and how to think in certain situations. And the Bible just doesn't do that. 
So instead, it calls us to live in this beautiful tension. And we have to trust God. And so, like, specifically, what I want us to do is talk about today what it means to live in tension, specifically as we dive into uh, kind of certain topics of conversation. And the one that we're just want to dive into right now to start off with, and this is the one that's kind of on our culture's mind, on our news, in our people's hearts and minds all the time because it's just prevalent around us, is the idea of COVID. Mm-hmm. So, Danny, if you would, would you kind of paint us the picture? What is the tension regarding COVID? Yeah, there's a new comedy sketch on Netflix, Nate Bargatze, I think I'm saying his name right, he's he's a funny comedian, and he starts off the whole thing, he's like, yeah, he's got relatives who wear a mask in the shower, because they don't want their oh, hamster man. to get COVID, or he has friends who do that, and then he has other friends or relatives who almost are trying to catch it, mm-hmm. and, and yes, those are two extremes that exist in our country and i guess it could be based on experience it could be based on education it could be based on the like where you live the if you live in a rural area you may not feel as you know you you don't hear about it if if you don't have a relative that really suffered from covid uh if you have someone who almost died of covid it was in the hospital for multiple days in icu then you might take it more seriously if you're just a worrying germaphobe type person. So all these different things converged on this pandemic that now is going on, what, 16 months, Wow. Mm -hmm. 17 months of, and then the fear was already starting in January. So we're almost at, you know, what, 17, 18 months of knowing about it. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the tension is, is what is the response as a Christian? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the Christian thing to do? Yes, we're called to love our neighbor, but we're also, but is loving your neighbor like isolating yourself or engaging your neighbor? Like most of Christian history has been engagement. It's been getting out there and doing things. I mean, it's, it's a very well-known fact that why Christian, one of the reasons Christianity was attractive in the Roman Empire was that Christians were the ones who went into the sick quarters and helped people during pandemics and during when everyone else was afraid. So there's just a lot of tension the CDC has made different recommendations over time if depending on who your news source is you so so there's just a lot of information out there you could have a friend who's a doctor who thinks yeah it's fine to get out there and do it you could have a friend who's a doctor who says no stay home you can look at the stats and say wow my chances of catching it and actually getting seriously ill are are very low I have a higher chance of getting hit by a car you know some people People say that, or then you could say, no, the job is to love our neighbors, to keep hospitalizations to a minimum. So you have all these things. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. All you, all you guys have heard this before, but I think the final thing for us as Christians is what should we do? How should I live my life? What is What does the Bible say in 3 Corinthians when a global pandemic hits, <laughs> like how to live out your faith in a democratic republic that allows you to have freedom of choice? So that's the tension, is different Christians are saying different things. Major Christian leaders actually have differences of opinions on this, and we're just trying to figure it out. So does that mean if major Christian leaders are having different opinions on it, does it mean that the Spirit of God is not speaking to them? Is, is what, what does that mean for us? Like, I mean, shouldn't we all agree? Like, as Christians, if we all believe in Jesus, should we, should we not all agree? What do you think? Yeah. Okay. So that's a really good question. I think um, I think we really need to be careful that you know the difference between unity and uniformity. You know, we don't have to have the same 
exact opinion on everything in order to say this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Um, so I think really, and this is one of the things that God has blessed us with, is the fact that we are diverse and he has given us different thoughts and he's using our free will um, as he's acting through us as well. So um, so yeah, I think the tension the tension is good. Um, I think what is what we need to be careful about is the guilt that comes with the tension. Uh, because I have seen both sides feeling guilty about it, you know, if they are not wearing their masks, you know, feeling guilty, oh, what is the other party is gonna think of me or what should I do? Um, or if they are wearing their masks, uh, then they're feeling like, well, the other party are not wearing their masks, why are they not, you know? So the guilt-driven actions that comes into things that plays a part into making their decisions. Um, and I think really, to me, when I think about it, I think about why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, how is it, how am I glorifying God in my decisions? How am I walking with God in this, um, regardless of, um, I don't know, maybe the guilt pressure that I can feel, but also being careful around people. So your your question your statement is that don't let guilt drive you. Instead, yeah. the question of how am I glorifying God in my actions? Exactly. So what kind of drives your um, your actions is the question: How am I glorifying God? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and I think there are some places in the early church where they had tension. I think there's this myth that popped up about 10, 15 years ago that, you know, Acts 2, we just, the early church was perfectly unified and they shared everything. <laughs> that lasted for like a couple weeks. You know? yeah, right. We hear about Paul confronting Peter in Galatians. Like mm -hmm. Paul takes a chunk out of his letter to talk about confronting Peter. We hear about the Jerusalem Council where there's this kind of fight over Jewish customs and what's the minimum? And you think they would just say, hey guys, you don't need to be circumcised and you don't have to follow any Jewish laws. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the council, they're like, don't eat, you know, don't eat meat with blood in it and, and, and stay away from right. sexual immorality. So they still give them some Jewish commands and mm -hmm. it probably that was cultural so that they could fit in the community. It would have been too much of a stretch with the, the blood thing. And then you, then you have this situation where Paul and Barnabas disagree over John Mark, who mm -hmm. wrote Mark. You know, the guy. <laughs> so, so the tension's been there, and the First Corinthians and Second Corinthians are filled with tension in mm -hmm. the church. They're questioning Paul's apostleship and his authority, and Wait. he's defending himself, and they're, they're fighting over, you know, they're fighting over different issues. So I, I think there are a lot of spaces in the New Testament where we see the tension, and we can glean from it the principles like how does Paul work it out how mm -hmm. does how does the early church live in harmony and unity while there's differing differing opinions and I think that that's the beginning of of the solution to our COVID problem is what are the passages where it talks about loving one another thinking of the best in one another mm -hmm. the one another passages mm -hmm. and if we come in with humility okay, you come to a th an event and one guy's like, well, the CDC says if I'm outside, I don't need to wear a mask. I'm six feet from you. And you're like, no, wear a mask because that's the loving thing to do. If both groups could just say, hey, that's their conviction mm -hmm. and I'm going to just trust God with their conviction and my conviction. Some of you have relatives who live in places that are, aren't as strict as North Carolina is or Durham is. 
And I, I think it just comes down to trusting God and living within your convictions and looking at the best in other people. Mm-hmm. Is their intention malicious? Are they saying, ha, 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 I want as many people to catch COVID as possible? <laughs> or are they just like, hey, you know, I've, I'm outside. I've, I've already had it or, you know, I wore my mask in these situations, but here I'm going to take it off. I mean, so I think the tension's part of the, the dilemma, but I, I think that the Bible does give us ways to deal with it and but i think it requires a humility and it also requires us just stopping and saying okay god there's never going to be resolution on this Mm -hmm. there will never be a hundred percent agreement on this so we have to learn to be unified as the body Mm -hmm. so i love both your answers because joy's answer starts at the individual level it starts off with what is god calling me personally through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. is this glorifying God? How, God, how do you want me personally to move? Mm-hmm. And then, Danny, your answer was, okay, once you've made a decision for you personally, how do you not judge others? How do you not, um, how do you still come in community and live life alongside others? Is it, and it's by humility. It's by thinking the best of others. It's by loving each other, encouraging each other. And so this kind of dual way of handling it is let the Holy Spirit prompt you and guide you and let the, the fruit of His guiding show up in how you treat each other. Mm-hmm. And the fruit of the Spirit. Exactly. If you're loving, if you're kind, if you're gentle, mm-hmm. in either opinion, mm-hmm. you're, more, you're a more cautious person or you're a more like, hey, it's, you know, it's been 17 months. It's time to take the mask off and live my life, you know, a little mm-hmm. more normally. Either way, like, if you have the fruit of the Spirit, if you're trying to be loving and kind and gentle and, and have self-control, and, mm-hmm. and then I, I think you'll be okay. I, th- I think we can be the body together, mm-hmm. uh, even amongst the differences of opinions. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. And I love this idea of tension, as you, you spoke all throughout the New Testament. I think people do have created this... Acts 2 church. It's the glorified right. church. This is, everything is perfect. These guys were wonderful. And I love the fact that you brought it up. They disagreed. They mm-hmm. had issues. They had their own tensions. One of the tensions I feel that the church really perpetuates over and over again, and this is different types of churches, and this is something that's something that I really wrestle with, and I think a lot of Christians wrestle with, is this tension of kind of victory living and suffering. And here's what I mean by that. There's a line of churches out there who will kind of give this idea of like, we're sons and daughters of the king. We're victorious and... Um, name it and claim it. Name it and claim it. Yeah, yeah prosperity exactly. gospel mm-hmm. a little bit. But it doesn't have to be completely prosperity gospel. Yeah. But just, you know, if you ask your dad for bread, is he, is he, he going to give you a rock? No, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, very much, there's a lot of biblical... Prayer, uh, what was that? Uh, prayer, prayer of Jabez. Jabez yeah. yeah, that was written yeah. by a non-charismatic. That guy is not charismatic at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a lot of this out there, you know, and a lot of it makes sense. You know, if you're a son of a king, your daughter of a king, you know, I remember my friend used to say that stuff all the time, like, "Oh, we're the sons of the king." Yeah, you know. Right. At the same time, then we have the other side. We have the, you know, is this uh, uh, is this life about suffering to produce? a certain fruit, a, a produce a peculiar glory, is it's about being crushed so that we should always then look to be crushed. We should always be look to suffer as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, do we look at this life as something that we should suffer hard in this life, only suffer, so that we experience the most glory in the next one? Mm-hmm. What is? How do you find that tension between victory and suffering? How do you find the tension between experiencing the goodness of God in the land of the living? Mm-hmm. Or seeing kind of the lay Miz type lifestyle here so that his glory is made manifest in the next time. Lawrence always has to bring it back to a musical. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about lay Miz the musical, not lay Miz the book. Right? 
Yeah. Um, don't start singing. Don't start coming out and spontaneous One singing. Name. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, how do we wrestle with that? Yeah, I think one of the things that people also wrestle with is the idea of like balancing or feeling that they have to balance between, you know, um, my life has been so good. Uh, why has it been this way? Um, and I think, again, I think some guilt comes into that of like, am I not obeying God in a certain way? Why I'm not facing any suffering? And so I feel like sometimes we tend to uh, look into our lives and we're like, okay, what does this mean to us? Why am I not suffering? Or you can look into it and say, why am I suffering? Why everyone else is having a great life? I'm the one who is suffering. And as you said, it's like, does this mean that we are here to be living in the garden of Eden? If you become a believer, everything is going to be beautiful. Everything is going to be going very well. Everything is awesome. Oh, everything is <laughs> Is that not true? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I think, um, again, seeing God's calling to us and not seeking after suffering, because I don't think that we are called either to be like, okay, like, God, like, what can I do today to suffer? Like, I want to suffer for you. But also welcoming the idea of suffering, having a heart that is willing, um, like Jesus, you know, Jesus wasn't like, like, I want to be crucified. I want, like, he was living a life with alignment with the Lord. He knew what was his purpose here. He knew that he is to live with the word of God. And when the time came, he even said, you know, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. But if it is not, I'm willing to take it. Let your will be done. So I think having the same uh, mentality of like, let your will be done. God, I, I know I'm victorious. I know that the war is already won. I know that you are on my side. And believing in God's character, believing that he's good. He's not after us. He's not trying to... Um, get us or um, make us suffer to make us bitter, um, but also accepting the fact that suffering is going to build us up. Uh, suffering does build perseverance, and perseverance produces hope. Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually my lifetime is the span of, you know, the the largest economic growth in the history of the world ever. Really, was like America from the 50s to about 2008. So like my parents into my lifetime. So I saw like the church ride the wave and just be like, well, we must be doing the American church. We must be doing things right. Cause look, we got big buildings and gyms and all this stuff. And, and then all of a sudden 2008 crash hit and middle-aged workers lost their jobs, everything, you know, just being a good worker didn't mean you were guaranteed anything. 401ks tanked, like pension plans were like, wow, we don't have as much money as we thought. And then everybody starts questioning, you know, what does it mean? And But even leading up to that, there was movements among a lot, especially among a lot of reform people and even some like more social justice people that we're, we're gluttonous with our wealth. We are a gluttonous society. You know, we we are wealthy while people around the world are suffering and and should we do something about it and then maybe the pendulum swung too far the other way where the goal was you know yeah we must just suffer everything just get rid of everything and and i think the answer is like what you said joy it's it's accepting what christ has for you there's there's going to be moments and times when we suffer and some some people in some circumstances are going to suffer more than others if you do have the resources the Old Testament's very clear, and the New Testament's very clear that we should share resources mm -hmm. with each other. We should help each other, and 
and not be gluttonous. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a sin that is condemned over and over again throughout the scripture, but it's also celebration and, and Jesus brought out the best wine at the wedding. You know, he didn't be like, hey guys, you shouldn't even have wine at a wedding because you should give all that money to the poor. Exactly. You, you know, like, so th there's something about the cycles of celebration. I think that the Jewish calendar had cycles. The Christian calendar also has cycles. We, if you haven't listened to the Spiritual Disciplines podcast, the last one we did, we, we addressed some of this. And I think if you have a lot of resources, if you are blessed, there's two ways that I wouldn't say just like sell your stuff and go live in a you know, go live somewhere that you don't know anything about just because you need to suffer. Some people are called to that. Some yeah. people are called to that. Yeah, some that, people might be called to that, but mm -hmm. it'd be like, because God opened doors exactly. and you're gifted in that. Exactly. Don't, don't start doing something you know nothing mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. But but I would say the better option would be you have resources. God gave you a, a nice, a lot of money. Buy a minivan. Cart kids around. If, if you start helping people who are suffering, who are having hardship in life, it's going to be hard. Your life will not be comfortable. Good neighbor team. If you say, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to help some refugees out. Hey, the DMV is hard for people who speak English. Mm -hmm. The DMV is hard for people who have all their paperwork. It's really hard for people who English is their second or third language. It's really hard for people who their paperwork is all messed up. Mm -hmm. Going, you know, just filling out medical insurance forms. I mean, it's gonna be hard. So if you enter into the brokenness of the world, yeah. with as, as someone with resources, it will be hard. Mm -hmm. And I think the spiritual disciplines, fasting's hard. Like so, God even provided ways for us to not have to 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 be part of the suffering, to enter into the brokenness, but not have to sell everything. We can live the life He called us to live. Mm -hmm. God needs wealthy people too. God needs people who he's blessed to be part of building the kingdom. The New Testament church is filled with poor people and wealthy people who, who Paul and, and Timothy and, and Barnabas use to use their stewardship of their resources to spread the gospel. So I, for me, it starts with if I have been blessed, I say, okay, God, it's all your stuff anyway. Mm -hmm. How can I be a steward of the resources you have? Not saying... Oh great! I've been blessed. I should suffer. So let me. The the goal isn't isn't suffering. The goal is building Christ's kingdom. The goal is living for His glory. And if you really enter into the brokenness, you're going to enter into the suffering. And if you just live life, all of us are going to have parents who get sick, divorce, hardship. No matter we're not all what, we're going to have divorce. But I mean, like, <laughs> we're not all going to get divorced, but we're going to know. We're going to see it. We're right. going to be around it. If you help people, you're going to see brokenness. You're going to see hardship, and so that's kind of how God's been teaching me that I don't have to literally sell everything if I'm not called to that, but I do have to enter into the brokenness to be part of building Christ's kingdom. And I love the point that you made. It's about what is the purpose. Mm -hmm. Right. If we look at life and evaluate what is the purpose of life, if we evaluate it as, as purpose of just living, you know, like the American dream, well, then that's one way of looking at it. But if you look at it as to advance the kingdom and mm -hmm. the way that God specifically called you to advance mm -hmm. the kingdom is how you measure how you live life, then that changes everything. One other way that I liken this to is like I liken it to like the way I look at my children. You know, as a father to my kids, suffering will come into their lives. I don't want my kids to go out and search for suffering, right? right? But it's gonna happen. They're gonna they're gonna skin their scrape their knee. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with them scraping their knee. They're gonna learn how to handle it. They're gonna learn how to bandage up their knee. They're gonna learn how to handle pain. Mm 
Right. I'm okay when they don't make the basketball team. Mm-hmm. I want them to learn to to experience the the character shaping that it makes, the perseverance that it brings in them, the how to face disappointment. Because I know all this stuff happens in their life. So suffering is is good in its sense, right? My kids are learning, they're growing, they're being shaped in their character. But I'm not out there saying, "Hey, um, Josiah, go hurt yourself as much as possible." Okay. <laughs> you know, that's not what I want, mm-hmm. right? I want the best for them. I want them to enjoy the gifts that I've given them. I want them to enjoy the the quality times of birthday parties and celebrations and family gatherings. I want them to say, "Wow, my my dad is good and he's good with me, and I enjoy him and we enjoy each other." Mm-hmm. There's a there's a beautiful relationship that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like it. I think, God, but there's also a purpose. Like as a family, we want to glorify God. And as a dad, my goal is to shape his character. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to spoil him. I don't want to. I want him to learn. If we're if we're blessed with much material things, I want him to learn how to give, and to live, and to know how to sacrifice, know how to go without. And I think ultimately, for us, as, as Daniel was saying, what's our goal as a, as a as a family, as a person? What's what's God called us to? And then liking it to say, it's okay that God's called you to celebrate at times and have the wedding feast and because he's a good dad that wants to provide you, but he also wants to shape you through the suffering. Yeah. And I think also searching for why we do what we do. Um, I think it's really related to identity. Um, what am I trying to prove if I am going through suffering or if I'm choosing to go through suffering or if I'm selling everything? Is it because I am called to that? I feel called personally to that. I know this is my calling. Or is it more, you know, I want to be better with God. I want to do something for God. I want to, and I think that really plays a huge part of like my identity in Him is secure. What I'm doing is not what He's looking into. Okay, I want you to prove that you're good. Show me your performance. You're doing very well. He wants a willing heart. He wants a heart that is for Him. So I think that's also... It gives the relief and the contentment in what we have. And in that security, if you're doing it not to earn his approval, exactly. but out of the overflow what he's called you, then there's a, it's not suffering, right? Exactly. Right? It's, it's a blessing mm-hmm. that you get to walk in what you're created to walk in. Mm-hmm. I also liken it to this idea of, very practically speaking, like these are all well and good statements, but what's that practically mean for me? And I can't answer that question for each and every person. Mm-hmm. It has to be something where the spirit needs to prompt you. Yeah. For one person, it may mean one thing. It may mean opening your home more. It may mean giving more. It may mean sacrificing more. It may mean doing more. It might be doing less. Whatever it may be, it's different for different people. But it's, are you are you in the Word? Are you actually re- receptive to the Spirit's guiding? Hmm. Are you listening to that still, small voice, that the counselor that Christ has promised you and has given to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that too often we come to a sermon or we come to a thing and we, we think, oh, wow, I'm going to get the answer today. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, the American church has created a pattern of, hey, come to this sermon series and you're going to get all your answers on how to live in the tension. And I think this is a lifelong pursuit. Paul mm-hmm. says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like the the pattern of the scriptures over and over again is that there's there's a tension that the world is broken. God should have destroyed them at Eden, but he didn't. He provided a way mm-hmm. for us to have new life and to be restored and reconciled to him. And we know that that comes through his promise to Adam and Eve after they sin, his promise to Noah, his promise to Abraham and the covenant mm-hmm. that's fulfilled in Jesus, ultimately the new covenant. But 
in this tension, we have to just say, okay, God, how can I trust you? And the best way to do that is, is to be in Christian community, to read the Bible, to be a student of the Word. And as you read different parts of Scripture, you're going you're gonna to keep getting the Spirit speaking to you and, and, and teaching you how to live this out, how to be God's person. I'm, I'm looking right now at 1 Corinthians 9, and, and Paul says, you know, though I'm free, I belong to no one. He, I made myself a slave to everyone. Paul was an evangelist to, to Gentiles, and he, he talks about he's all things to all people, and then he says, but, you know, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. So Paul knows that he has to discipline his body, and, and, and he's, he's suffering. Paul could have lived a comfortable Pharisee life, but because of what he's called to do, he suffers. But there are times when Paul stays in the city, and enjoys the fellowship of the community there are times when he's imprisoned and i think paul's not our ultimate example jesus is and not everyone's called to be paul but all of us are called to glean what paul learns as he trusts christ his role was to be an evangelist but right after that paul says in first corinthians 10 warning from israel's history like he says the bible was given to you to see how to live in this tension mm -hmm. and what happened God pulls them out of Egypt. It takes a long time for them. They have 40 years in the desert because of their sin. He, they finally get a kingdom under David, and it all falls apart with Solomon. Mm -hmm. Even David starts falling apart. Literally, the moment they get the kingdom, it starts falling apart. They get the blessing, and it falls apart. So I, th I think that the scriptures are there. This isn't a one-stop shop. You don't just come, get your answer, this is going to be something that all of us as believers have to work out our whole lives individually and in community going with that then with the words of paul the next topic of attention then that i think we can really just kind of transition easily into mm -hmm. is this idea of paul saying to the pure all things are pure mm -hmm. right at the same time he makes himself a slave uh, he also said set your mind on things above whatever is pure righteous holy all that kind of stuff right mm -hmm. so how do we then live in the tension of what we allow to consume, what we consume as a, maybe media, maybe uh, television, music, uh, the things that we do? How do we live in the tension of being to the pure, our things are pure, the freedom that we have in Christ, the security of our relationship and our identity and not having to earn anything, to setting your mind on things above, becoming a slave? Um, does that make sense? This tension of like, am I free to do anything? Am I a slave to do all things? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. How do you live in that tension? That's actually a um, really good question because I just <laughs> got this question from one of my English students uh, who asked me, so because you are a Christian, does this mean that you are free to do anything? So are you free to do all kinds of sins because Jesus died for your sin? And my answer was, well, I am free from sin. I am not free to sin. And there is a huge difference between the two. Um, so I think, um, again, I think not living a life of guilt when we're doing something or when we're not doing something and not living a life of fear that something is going to hunt me or something is coming after me. Um, I think that God is calling us for stewardship in everything that we do. Um, and I think the tension is good because if there is no tension, we wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. You know, if I know what to do, 
then why would I rely on God? And so I think having this, um, oh, like, I think it's, it's a good thing that we feel like, God, what can I do for you? But not out of, I want to perform well for you, but rather because I am so abiding with you, I want to do your will. Let your will be done. So if it means that we decrease our media time, let this be it. <laughs> if it means that I sit more in social media to maybe share the gospel or to, I don't know, interact with some people that I wouldn't see in personal life, then let it be. Um, so I think, again, it comes back to the heart and it comes back to our calling. What is God calling me to do? But I think one of the, practically, one of the questions I'm asking, let me just throw it out to the very mm-hmm. practical, okay? Mm-hmm. Should I watch, can I watch, are the questions, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, can I watch The Daily Show on HBO? Funny comedy, mm-hmm. whatever show, right? Mm-hmm. Bad language, sometimes off differing points of view. Right. Am I free to watch that? Is that pure? Is that about things above? Or, but I'm free I'm, to watch it. Does it make sense? Am yeah. I free to... I don't know, go dancing or I don't just try right. to think of something. Right, right, right. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. How do I know what my line is? How do I know is there a line? How do I know how to act and what to act and what to do, what to watch, what to what to think or say or do? And Paul Paul directly addresses this issue in both Romans and I mean 1 Corinthians very strongly and then and then in Romans and even even in other places. Um, so I think we have some guidelines um as believers i think my starting point always has to be this this phrase i don't know if i made it up or heard someone else you know you just you're a youth pastor and you're always at these things and you're listening to all these different great speakers (laughs) and i don't but grace is freedom from sin not licensed to sin Mm -hmm. so this is probably some other famous person's thing but i heard it somewhere or i thought of it i don't know but grace is freedom from sin not licensed to sin so sin will destroy us and take us away from God. And the, and the wisdom of this world is not the wisdom of God. First Corinthians is very clear on that. And Ecclesiastes, Job are also clear on that, which we're actually going to study in two weeks. Pro. So, so part of this <laughs> podcast is preparing us for this. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the podcast. But yeah, so I, so I think if that's your starting point, why do you want to watch this? Is it to be entertained is it to be knowledgeable of the things going on in the world is it going to hinder your your is it going to cause you to sin is it going to cause you personally to stumble is it going to cause others to stumble Mm. the great anomaly right now let's just call a spade a spade the great thing right now is game of thrones supposedly this i've not seen it this amazing book that was turned into a series that has extremely graphic sex scenes, pornographic, and a lot of violence, and a lot of dark, dark topics. Now, some friends would say, some Christians would say, everything that that show addresses is in Judges, the book of Judges. If they were to just make a Judges TV show, it would look a lot like Game of Thrones, so I can watch it. And then I have other Christians who are like, we can't watch that. I struggle with sexual stuff. It's pornographic. I'm not going to watch it. Uh, I think... I don't know. Like there are literally pastors in America who say, if you watch that show, you are sinning and rebuke and repent right now. There are other pastors who say you have freedom to watch it, but just be careful because it is powerful and it's not judges. 
Judges is from God. Game of Thrones is not from God. It's not even from a Christian writer, mm-hmm. you know. So I I think that we need to, if, if you're really walking with the Spirit and you're asking God for wisdom, and I personally don't drink alcohol, mainly because when I tried it as a kid, I didn't like it. I mean, as a teenager, and because I hung around with a lot of friends in high school who got drunk all the time. I saw a kid almost die, and one of my high school friends committed suicide. So so for me, alcohol just is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And then I have some friends who are alcoholics. So for me, I don't know why, but I'm okay if other people drink. I, you know, you know so, so I think for me personally, I had to make that decision. I personally haven't watched Game of Thrones. My son is really into movies and TV and he'd like to see it. We may watch it one day and just skip the scenes. We may not. At this point, I've decided not to. Just knowing myself and and where my mind will go, and it, you know, I just decided not to. So, mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of how I approach it. I'm not giving you, I'm giving you like some principles, like I believe the New Testament does. I'm not saying most of the time the New Testament gives us the principles. Sometimes it says flee, get away from this, mm-hmm. don't do it. But most of the time it's giving us principles because it, like I always say, it, the gospel and the and the the new t- early church is written so that this message could transcend all cultures. Right. It's not bound to one culture. And in that, there's going to be some struggle. There's going to be some tension. I mean, the answer that you said was that the Spirit is the one convicting you of sin. Mm-hmm. So if this is going to cause you to sin, the Spirit's going to be letting you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're honest and real with yourself, you know, if you're honest and real with yourself as you're watching certain things, listening to certain things, doing certain things, you know, if it leads you to sin, the Spirit will be telling you. Right. It will be convicting you. And if you hear that voice convicting you, then you should listen and obey. Mm-hmm. This is not legalism. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's what is best. The Spirit is a counselor telling you this is what's best for your heart and your soul. And I hate the way that, I think we've gotten to this point sometimes in our society or in Christendom in America that we're so like, grace, 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 that we forget that God is a holy God and we want to live fleeing from sin because God's goodness is so good that we don't want to bring sin into it. Mm-hmm. We need to care so much about how beautiful and glorious and holy God is that we want to flee from sin. Not in a legalistic, like, oh, God's going to strike me down. No, grace is sufficient, but grace has to exist because God is holy. And we want to come to his holiness and, and, and be in awe of his holiness and love him for his holiness. Because if he wasn't holy, then we wouldn't know what right is. We wouldn't know what beauty is. We wouldn't know what justice is. We wouldn't know um, that what right and wrong is. And so in, in understanding and loving his holiness, that we need to flee from sin. And so I love that answer, is that, is the Spirit convicting you of sin in this? Yeah, I think also one of the verses that I always use when I'm asked a question, do you drink, do you eat pork, or these questions, is what Paul says when he said, uh, everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible, but I wouldn't be slave to anything. And so the idea that we are not under the law anymore. And I think that's really important. You know, whatever we do, we do have the freedom, but God also has given us the law to give us instructions. So the law is good, but we're also free in God that whatever we do, we're doing it, as you said, we know what the Holy Spirit is telling us. If I'm doing something that is not in alignment with God, I'm gonna know. If I'm honest with myself, I'm gonna know. And I should be stopping 
Um, but again, everyone is different. Every situation is different. I think another thing that's very important is not to be a stumbling block to anyone else. That's a big point right there. Is sometimes you might not be struggling with something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But if you're a stumbling block for other people, then you should really evaluate what you're doing. Exactly. You know, so for example, if I'm in a country where pork is just not eaten, mm-hmm. right, and if I'm trying to minister and build a relationship with people who, who think this way, mm-hmm. I will not eat pork. Exactly. I mean, that's a hard thing for me to say. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of pork. Mm-hmm. But that's just what we need to be a non-stumbling block for people. Exactly. And so I think, that, do we care enough about two things? Do we care for the holiness of God? And do we care for other people? Mm-hmm. I mean, do we love God and love people enough? That's what it comes out. Our motivation is not, oh, don't strike me down. Our motivation is, I better be so good that God will approve of me. Our motivation is, we just love God and love people. Mm-hmm. If that's your driving force, if that's your ethos that you're operating under, that changes everything. Right? That's how you live in the tension, right? Mm-hmm. And if we really love one another, Sometimes we're going to refrain from things out of love and and we're going to be we're going to have to learn how to live in community. I mean, I know when I was in college, I lived in the dorm and then my over the summer I lived with some guys and I'd never lived with anybody outside of my family and we had huge fights over the dishes. Like mm-hmm. one guy was really neat, one guy was like, "Oh, I want to like eat my food, put the dishes in, and then like at 11 at night, I'll clean the dishes. We didn't have a dishwasher in this apartment or it didn't work or something. And the other guy's like, no, you eat your food and you clean your dishes. That's what a good person, that's what a normal person does. And these two roommates are yelling at each other, screaming. And, and I'm like, I have no, both Christians, you know, and, and I'm, and I, and I think I begin to realize that, that there's in these disagreements, just like family, we have to learn to live together. And it might be, and and if we're each yielding to each other, Philippians 2, God will begin to work through this, and he'll give us the ability to really love one another and live with one another. And it, it, the command of Jesus is to love one another, and that they'll know and who we are. We'll know who Jesus is by our love, you know, and, and I think our love for one another, First John. And, and so So for me, it's it's like I have my personal conviction, but then I'm also bringing that conviction into the community. I'm trying to be all things to all people so that exactly. some might be saved. And I'm trying to just live my life and, and live a life of victory and enjoy the blessings that God's given me, but also know that I'm called to enter into the brokenness, which means I'll suffer. And God's not going to spare me from the suffering either. Mm -hmm. So you see the tension, guys? I mean, (laughs) I I wish I could just say that this is what Christianity is. It's it's a golden ticket, and all your problems are solved. But there's no golden ticket because I I don't know the stat. Lawrence probably knows it. But almost every person who wins the lottery falls apart. Like, it's, it's astronomical, the amount of the people who win the big lottery who do well after it. It's almost, like, ridiculous. And I think that's David and Solomon. They won the lottery. Israel won the lottery with David and Solomon, and then they fell apart. And I think so there's there's just something about us as people that grace really is we've got to trust God. And and that the freedom to just do whatever we want is actually not freedom at all. That's right. It's actually bondage. Mm-hmm. And there, in that tension, we can live out our faith and trust trust God and trust each other that God's put us together as family. I mean, 
I don't know if we can wrap it up much better than what you just said right there, Danny, because, I mean, that was really wrapping up the idea of tension that we're talking about and, and kind of living this life. There's so many more topics that we can dive into, but the premise is still the same, is we have to live in tension, let the Holy Spirit guide us, walk in, in humility as we live in community together. And I love this illustration when you gave the story about your two roommates, that, that they were both Christians. Neither one was wrong with the dishes, although some people might, my wife might be the one that said, Cleanliness no, no, one, is one next wrong. to godliness. Yeah. It's in Proverbs 33. So, so one, yeah, my wife and other people might be, agree with that one, but, but neither was wrong. But they were wrong in how they communicated with each other. And I think so much whether it comes to politics or um, how we're stewarding our time and money, when it comes to judging people and prophetic voices and how holding each other accountable, I think the, we need to realize that there's tension in all of it. Mm -hmm. And so how do we communicate and live this out in community is humility, grace, mercy, love, um, encouraging, stirring, uh, spurring each other on. And so this, these are all ways that we need to learn how to do this. In kids. And that's what God's blessed us with. He blesses with tension in the community. He blesses with the Holy Spirit and He blesses with community. Mm -hmm. And so for some of us, when the still small voice is really still and small, and we're diving into things that maybe the, the, vo the conviction doesn't feel as strong in us. If you're living in a community, then somebody else can come along and start you and say, hey, is that really what's best for you? Mm -hmm. Or are you being a good witness in that? See, guys, he's given us tension, yes. He calls us attention, but he's also given us the tools to handle the tension. He's given us each other, and he's given us the Holy Spirit. And as, as you read John 13 through 17, and Jesus leaves the disciples with this final command, I think a lot of people read that, the you in there, every time Jesus says you, they think of it individualistically. Mm -hmm. Jesus says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. Mm -hmm. That's a plural you. That's right. It mm -hmm. should be the Holy Spirit will guide y'all. Right. Jesus is Southern. Yeah, the, very the, Southern. Gospel, the gospel <laughs> project, the gospel project guys always say y'all now instead of you because they're talking about the plural you, but the Spirit will guide y'all into all truth. And it was a community project you cannot read John 13 to 17 individualistically. He's talking about them, and he's talking about us, the church, that, that they would establish through the power of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think if, if, we, if we always come at it like the Spirit gave me this, well, if the Spirit gave you this, then it's going to line up with the community. Mm -hmm. It's going to line up with the Word because the Spirit will guide y'all into all truth. So I, that's something that God's really been showing me the, the past couple mm -hmm. of months as, I, as we've gone through COVID. Yeah, I think also one thing that's always in my mind with whatever I do really is uh, when Mary came to Jesus and she anointed him with perfume. Um, just seeing the, the scene of the disciples, you know, saying, this is a really expensive perfume. Why did you do that? And Jesus goes and says, leave her alone for she has done a beautiful thing for me. I think God is looking for a beautiful thing, a cheerful heart. A heart that is his um, so whatever it is is it a beautiful thing for the Lord is it a cheerful heart are we doing it out of a heart of joy overflow of joy or is it out of guilt um, so I think yes definitely living within the community living with God and the beautiful thing that we are bringing to him right and I love the beautiful thing isn't necessarily the cost of the perfume no. or the reaction. It's, mm -hmm. it's the heart that was willing to give the expensive perfume. Exactly. And so our hearts, my people, that's the question as we're living in tension is let the Spirit speak into your heart as we live for Him and for His glory. All right, I'm going to close with Philippians 2. Therefore, 
If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, looking not to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Have a great day, Waypoint Church. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Thank you, guys. Have a great week.